future and now it's a race. Of course it's a race. But what does that mean? It means your future hasn't been written yet. No one's has. Your future is whatever you make it. So make it a good one. Both of you. We will, Doc. Stand back. All right, boys, buckle up. Hey, Doc. Where are you going now? Back to the future? Nope. Already been there. Hello and welcome to the Cinematic Stories podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Olson, and this is the podcast where I get to talk to really cool and interesting people about their life through their film, life through their favorite films. And with me, I have a good friend of mine, Justin Lazota. Justin, welcome, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have you here and uh, excited to chat with you more today. Um, and uh, you know, I, you had been on my old podcast oh, a couple of years ago, probably it's been a while, but uh, I've always enjoyed talking movies with you. Um, so anyway, so before we jump into some of the questions, um, some of my guests may not know who you are. Would you be open to sharing a few things about yourself? Anything you anything you want to share or anything you find unique about who you are? Uh, well, unique. Uh, <laughs> that that could be a little subjective. <laughs> um, I, I, I like to normally describe myself as... Um, Fairly routine, laid back. Um, so, Justin, I live in Colorado. I've been out in Colorado um, probably about 11 years now. Um, I first uh, got here because of the military. I was active duty for seven years. And, um, yeah, uh, that's what brought me down, you know, to, you know, this part of the country. Moved away, came back. I liked it that much. Um Movies, uh, just a big part of my life. I'm at the movies a lot. I was at the movies last night, I'm catching Guardians of the Galaxy, and I was at the movies the night before. Um, I will be at the movies tonight because uh, one of the local cinemas, um, they're doing the Star Wars prequel trilogy. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, starting tonight. So tonight I'll uh, be uh, catching The Phantom Menace. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's one like every night, a different night or. Um, So every Friday and Saturday, um, the Esquire, which is owned by Landmark Cinemas, they have a a programming series called uh, Cinema Insomnia. Um, It used to be called um, Esquire Midnights, but they pretty much, you know, it's the same thing, but they just start the movies at 10 o'clock instead of midnight now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've seen some, you know, films I've never seen on the big screen before or had the chance to revisit. So recently movies like uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, um, Scorsese's uh, Casino, um, Terminator 2 did that at the beginning of the year. And even last year did the um, original Star Wars trilogy, but in special edition format. Yeah, um, it's a really great theater to old theater. I think it's like 40 something plus years old. But oh, wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a really um, really cool place to catch the movies, especially older ones. Yeah, well, you know, one thing I, I I have to say, so and just for any listeners, our history, Justin, we became Facebook friends, I think, through a mutual friend. We used to write yes. movie reviews together for a website, and then I think we, you know, we just stayed in touch. But I I love hearing your movie takes, like you know, especially I feel like around Fridays because whenever the new movies are coming out, it's always fun to kind of get your thoughts on stuff. So um, I don't think I saw your thoughts on guardians three. Are you open to sharing a quick? Your... Um, I did share them earlier, but I'm not a couple of hours ago, but sure. Um, oh, okay. I, I, I haven't seen it yet. So, Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So I normally try to, you know, if I post an Instagram or Facebook, I try to make sure that the sharing between the two is on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a fitting finale for these uh, characters. We've been, you know, watching for the past about well, 10 years now. Um, I didn't know anything about Guardians of the Galaxy before that first movie. And each each movie was a treat. Each movie, um, successive movie, was better than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed uh, Volume 2. So, you know, Volume 3 definitely um, has some big shoes to fill. And I am happy to report that the movie 
stuck the landing. It's not perfect by any means. Um, there are some noticeable gripes that I did have about it, but um, for me, it's the first time I've walked out of an MCU movie probably since Spider-Man No Way Home and said, damn, that's a good MCU movie. It was really good. Yeah, I'm with you. I saw it last night, too, and it's uh, I, I loved it. Yeah, there's I mean, like you said, it's not perfect, but I, I mean, I think it's uh, it delivers the Guardians of the Galaxy like formula. Like, you know, it's got the heartfelt moments with the, yep. the with the with the comedy and action. But the I feel like there was there was a few moments in this that like I felt like James Gunn took it to a new level of like gut punch. Like there's just yes. cool. Like I was like, wow, like this. <laughs> I, yeah, I had to hold back the tears and like, and I, I, didn't care. I, I, I was crying. I didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> there was probably like a seven, eight year old kid sitting next to me and he was with his dad. And I remember thinking like, I hope this kid's okay. Cause this, <laughs> this is some heavy stuff. It's intense. It's an intense movie. I was really surprised. Yeah. Um, I've even uh, shared another post just talking about, Hey, and even in my initial post, I put a disclaimer, like this is not a kid's movie. It's yeah. intense. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that's, uh, it was good stuff. So I, um, I'm glad you enjoyed it as well. And I hope you enjoy the Phantom Menace tonight. I actually just watched that with my five-year-old daughter and three-year-old son on, you know, yesterday was May the 4th. Um, and, uh, that's their favorite one. Cause they love Jar Jar, you know, and <laughs> I think watching this movie with them, I have so much greater appreciation for the Phantom Menace. Cause I was, I was 10 when it came out. And I loved it. And then I went through a phase, like, like I got older of like, Oh, it's not that good. But now, like, I can watch it and have just, like, a new fondness for it. Like, oh, man, this is, like, this is how my kids are getting into Star Wars is through this movie more so than anything else. That's the one they've gravitated to the most. So, uh, Did you uh, catch the uh, Return of the Jedi um, last week when it was playing for its 40th anniversary? No, I didn't, unfortunately. I really wanted to. but just That was fun. Of, that was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I you know, it's getting to the movies with the young kids is tricky these days, but, uh, I, I was planning to, and then it just didn't quite work out. So, but, but yeah, anyways, um, so let's get into, uh, some of the questions then. Um, and so this is, like I said, this is a, this podcast, I started this, that's just a way for me to like to talk about my passion for movies with other people. And also like, any sort of I love when there's like people have fun, you know, like anecdotal like experiences or stories with movies. And so anything that you can think of that you want to share, feel free, you know, whatever you're comfortable with, of course. But uh, uh, do you have any questions before we get started? No, none. OK. All right. So let's um, well, I guess first off, what uh, I know you're a big movie guy, but do you have any sort of genres that you tend to gravitate to or you open to most types of movies or? I am. I am open to any type of movie. It it could be a foreign movie. I I enjoy foreign films very much. Um, Action is what I tend to gravitate towards. Uh, I just always love action movies. Um, It could could be a big-budget one. I have fun watching low-budget action movies because I know it's going to be terrible, and I'm going to at least get some good laughs out of it some way, somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Growing up, and, and I was born in 82, so um, back then, and, and I lived in Germany, um, you know, my earliest memories in terms of movies and stuff like that goes back to Germany when I was about three to five years old. And so watching films specifically from uh, Canon Pictures, which made terrible films, but they, they do yeah. have some gems here and there, um, like Delta Force. Um, or American Ninja, and then you have the Universe. Ter- What's that? Masters of the Universe. Absolutely, I don't know if it's a gem, but yep. that was a favorite of mine as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible film, but I'm fond of it. I'm fond yeah, of it same, for many reasons, same. but it's a oh, it's a god awful film. Yeah. Um, Dolph Lundgren. I don't think he had really full command of the English language just yet. Um, yeah. But you know, he was you know the big bad in Rocky Four, so you know you have some name brand recognition there. Um, but then you had, you know, other craptastic films such as uh, Ninja 3, The Domination, which is essentially just combining the Exorcist with a ninja film. Hmm. Um, it's a mashup, 
and it has some moments I like, but by no means can I say, wow, I'm in the mood to watch Ninja 3, you know, but yeah. I have memories of it, yes. Hmm. That's awesome. Well, cool, yeah, and I think, uh, so it sounds like you've got a very diverse palette of films that you enjoy, and I think that's, but tend towards the action. I think that's, I probably line pretty similar to that as well, um, so... Um, all right, well, let's um, let's jump into the first question. So what is one of the most meaningful films to you, and, and what about it makes it so meaningful to you? Um, so my favorite movie is The Departed, uh, directed by Martin Scorsese. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Matt Damon, Mark Wahlberg, and Jack Nicholson, of course. Um, which is actually, that movie is based off of a trilogy of films called infernal affairs and so the basic um plot premise is um in the american version the departed the boston police department has taken a police recruit played by dicaprio out so they can put helm in jack nicholson's gang while jack nicholson recruits somebody from his gang to be a mole in the um, Massachusetts State Police. Yeah. And so the two eventually find out that each respective camp has a mole. And throughout most of the movie, it's DiCaprio trying to find out who's the mole for John Nicholson's gang in the police department. And then Matt Damon trying to find out who's the mole and Nicholson's gang and so forth. Um, yeah, it's a That's it's a really game. you know just big game of cat and mouse. Yeah, yeah, that's such a good movie. I think that was the first. I don't know if it's the first Scorsese movie I ever saw, but it's definitely one of them, um, and uh, definitely has left an impact for me too. So, um, is there anything specific about that movie that you find like meaningful to you, or like, or it's just left or? Or why, why is anything about it that's left a lasting impression for you? For me, it's just a movie that has so many layers to it. Um, every time I watch it, I always, you know, pick up on something I didn't notice before or, you know, there's something new. And you, it's like an onion. You're just peeling back layers. But at the heart of the movie, I mean, identity is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, really for, like, pretty much everybody, but specifically for the main two characters. Um, it's, it's, it's a pretty deep film at times for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I never thought about it from that light. Cause it's been a while since I've seen it, but that's, yeah, that makes sense. And I think too, it's like, um, it feels, it feels like too, at least for, Di, you know, you know, DiCaprio's character, he's like losing himself to what he's doing, like his job, but then like still trying to hold on to his own humanity. Um, Yes. Yeah. That's not how I'm remembering it, but it's been a while since I've seen it. But anyways, that was always pretty compelling to me in that movie. Um, but yeah, that's a good one. Um, okay, awesome. And so going on to the next question is, um, what would you say is your family movie? Um, and so this could be like a movie that you grew up watching together as a family with your parents, siblings, or whoever – or it could be something even as an adult, like with a loved one that you've created, like memories. It's something that you go back to. Um, so really, you know, you kind of answer however you want. But um, so anything come to mind for you with that one? Oh, yeah, um, definitely The Lion King. I'm a big Lion King fan. It's um, So I have a bit of, pretty big film collection, physical film collection. And I have probably, I don't know, five, six, maybe seven copies of The Lion King um, from Laserdisc through DVD and Blu-ray and 4K UHD. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Um, And question, do you you still have all your, like, all all five of those versions? I do because uh, they're, they're, they're different in certain ways. Um, Maybe because of the you know the the video transfer or the the audio mix that was used for a specific release, but I do have them all. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Are you still a big physical media? Like, do you still buy like new Blu-rays or 4Ks? Absolutely, um, <laughs> I do. Um, 
I don't I don't buy as often. I still have a big collection, and I've actually uh, I actually go through it, you know, for maybe films that you like. You know, I can consolidate this into this one version, or I don't need this many copies of this, or just maybe because I don't watch it that often. Like, just the replay value has gone down on it. Um, but uh, another reason why I would slow down on physical media, number one, it, it could take up a lot of room, <laughs> for sure. Um, but also to me, there's just not a lot of movies now that I feel like, you know, I liked it. It was great, but I'm okay with owning this on digital. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. It's definitely and it's pricey too. I, I, it's like it a, is pricey. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, I still have a uh, laser discs. I, my laser disc player is like a, it's like somebody who has maybe a Corvette or a rare car. I only take it for spins on the weekend, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I make sure to keep it on, you know, in great shape because, hey, you know, number one, that's the only way I can really watch uh, the Star Wars trilogy that I grew up watching for the first time before all the special edition, you know, changes. So mm-hmm. it's like a big reason why I have a laser disc player. And then, of course, with just, you know, certain rare films and, certain directors cut to certain films that probably never made a past laser disc. But for me that that was just a great video format. Yeah. That's cool. I love that. I love that you can like have those different things and and, and I like the way you described it of like taking it out on the weekends. That's that's cool. Um so real quick with the Lion King. So that was was that a movie that you watched growing up a lot with family or uh so my fondest memory of it was Christmas Eve, 1994. And so it was just, you know, my brother, sister, and I, my dad, uh, we went to the movies. Um, and we were, you know, at the time living in North, North Carolina, where my family still lives. Um, and my dad was in the army. And so he took us to, you know, watch it on Christmas Eve at the movie theater on Fort Bragg, you know, the base. And, you know, um, for me, I didn't catch all the, you know, the nuances and the inspiration for The Lion King, but it's pretty much just Hamlet, which is my favorite mm-hmm. Shakespeare story. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I I was uh, going into kindergarten when that came out, I think, because it came out in the summer, I think, if I remember right. It was but, a summer release initially, yeah, but it just stayed out it. in theaters for so long. Sorry, what was that? I said, I just stayed out and see in theaters for so long. Like, I guess it was just one of those. Because I see my back then movies when they would go from theater to home. Uh, you may have to wait maybe four to six months, mm-hmm. you know, for that, you know, theatrical to home window. But you just had some films that just stayed in theaters for a while. Right. Yeah. Well, I remember as a kid, a lot of those Disney movies had come out in the summer and then like in the 90s. And then my sister's birthday my younger sister's birthday is in march and so she would always get them for her birthday <laughs> that was like, so <laughs> the white clam case the disney yeah the exactly VHS tapes oh yeah and they always had a like little like special feature trailer thing at the beginning for the next one you yes. know and so i think it was lion king and pocahontas so i remember like getting that vhs and yep seeing that sneak preview for pocahontas but so yeah, that's awesome. Good times. Um, I mean, it's it's crazy to think of Lion King. I feel like that was like the Frozen of our day. Like, it's <laughs> like just the phenomenon, the songs, music, the merchandise. Like, yep. So, can't believe. In fact, next year that's that's going to be thirty years old next year. Oh wow, that's crazy. Yeah. That's 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 nuts. <laughs> I can't believe it's that old, man. Um, all right. Well, what's, what is the film, like, what film do you think you've watched the most in your lifetime? Ooh, there's so many. Um, uh, definitely. I know I've watched The Departed many, many, many times, um, along with the original Star Wars trilogy, um, Die Hard. Um, I think those are probably like top three or top four. In regards to films that have just been on constant rotation throughout my life. Yeah, nice. Okay. Um, is Die Hard like a? You watch that around Christmas? 
every year. Is that... It is a Christmas movie. I don't even care. I don't care. Bruce Willis yeah. said it's not a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie. Oh, I agree. I'm with you. <laughs> same, same with Lethal Weapon Part 1. It's a Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Um, okay, so next question. Um, what movie have you cried the most in? Oh, God. Well, I mean, besides last night. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I can't think of the film I cried the most in, but I know recently the film that just really got me was um, A Man Called Otto with Tom Hanks that came out at the beginning of this year, which is uh, based off of a Swedish film called uh, A Man Called Ove. Uh, Ove. Um, very good film just about really just how to process grief. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever seen um, either one of those? No, I haven't. It's one that um, seemed interesting. I, I didn't feel like a huge draw to go check it out in the theaters, but it's someone I, I would want to watch it though at some point. So it's actually going to be on Netflix. I think I think it might be on there today or tomorrow. It's one of those that was going to oh. going to hit Netflix this month. Um, but essentially, you know, in the American version, uh, basically Tom Hanks plays this guy named Otto who he's just, he's done with life, you know, and you find out over the course of the film why. And then he's just this cantankerous, curmudgeonly older guy um, in his 60s. And, you know, he's just ready to check out. But then, you know, people in the neighborhood, you know, they just... They find their way along with this cat, stray cat, to just pretty much just bring them back, mm-hmm. you know, to life, you know, so to say, and just to keep them going, you know. Um, it's a really good film, but oh my goodness, I mean, yeah, I cried quite a bit in that movie. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Well, interesting. I'm. I. Uh, I feel like I remember it coming out, and then. I didn't feel like I heard too much about it. And I maybe it honestly kind of went off my radar until you just mentioned it. So I had to check it out. So, um, do you, do you typically, do you cry in movies a lot? Like, or is it rare for you to shed a tear? It's pretty easy. Um, if it's something that may get a little too personal to things I may have experienced at some point or, um, anything for the most part between, dads and sons there's just a particular bond between father and son um things like that yeah it's it's pretty easy for me to cry yeah well i'm with you i'm I'm a crier it's just getting i just get more and more as i get older too so (laughs) yeah it's easy it's easy yeah definitely um okay cool what is the first movie you ever remember watching to my recollection. And this goes back to Germany and a movie theater on base Rambo first blood part two. Um, not, not recommended for a three year old, um, <laughs> but um, I do remember watching it and um, specifically a lot of explosions. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but uh, Stallone, you know, especially, you know, when he gets the, the bow and arrow that has the um, explosive tips, like, just always remember that. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So was this uh, in the theaters or was this at home? This was in theaters. Uh, oh. This movie came out in 85. So um, growing and so because I went to like school and preschool on the economy in Germany. So uh, Kino which is German for cinema, probably one of the earliest, I guess, words I've learned in a foreign language. So, yeah. So Nice. Did, um, did that, like, I don't know, I mean, that experience, or, like, did it leave an impression as far as, like, wanting to go see more movies in the theaters, or was it just kind of, like, the first time you went and then that developed later on? It's just a memory. For me, my love of films probably... I guess just developed over time because, I mean, growing up, you know, back then in the 80s and 90s, um, you know, video rental stores, that was the big thing. And, and even in Germany, um, you know, a lot of people had, you know, maybe two VCRs. They had the one to play the movies and then the one to record the movie they were making a copy of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, people going to the video store 
and making copies of that because I'm sure a lot of people have memories watching a, a taped copy of a movie that where the image would fade in and out because it was copyrighted and all that. Right. Um. So I think yeah, just just the the medium of you know or the video VHS format just you know was a lot of you know it's access to a lot of movies different movies and um, I remember when we moved to Fort Bragg so I was about six years old that's when I really noticed the you know VHS collection that we had and it was you know a tape that had three movies on it and whatnot and I would watch you know certain movies um, and my parents specifically my mom would let me Watch a lot of films that were definitely not age appropriate, um, just as long as I didn't use foul language or try to kill my brother and sister and <laughs> imitate what we saw on screen and definitely couldn't watch nudity and all that. Um, that that was pretty much like my earliest, I guess, film education. So mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of Stallone, um, for sure. Yeah. Um, and Charles Bronson films. Um Scarface, it's a little intense for like a eight-year-old, for sure. Um, And then I think probably more so as I got older, um, probably around sixth grade or so, uh, my parents, you know, they drop us off at the movies and stuff like that, or, you know, know, as long as we call them after the movie was done. And so I think that's when I really started to get into movies was probably about 94. Okay. Nice. So that's... Yeah, you, so you said that's like, ooh, I, well, your parents still drop you out, but you just had more accessibility, it sounds like, to, to get to the movie theaters and things. Yeah, because at that point, they would, you know, go to still go into the video store because video rental stores are still big. And um, even in high school, so, and from my senior year of high school, really up until, up until I joined the Air Force, I worked at a movie theater for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And oh, so nice. just... Being able to, you know, see new movies as they came out and preview them. And at one point I was working at a video rental store and the movie theater at the same time in college for a oh, bit. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's cool. when that's when it really, really took off. Yeah. That's well, that's 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 cool. And I, I'm glad you mentioned the like in the 80s, how like you would people would have two VCRs, one to record and whatever. And I mean, yeah, like my dad, I think we had I remember as a kid, like he had all the James Bond movies and they were all, he had, you know, recorded them all that way. They were taped copies. <laughs> yeah. And then we'd have like other random tapes where there was one, it was like return of the Jedi. And then it had, um, some episodes of He-Man and She-Ra. <laughs> and so, which I was born in 88. So those had already ended by the time yeah. I was born, but we had these, these VHS tapes that, you'd watch Return of the Jedi and then it was just, Oh, let's watch some He-Man and She-Ra. <laughs> it was like roulette. Sometimes you didn't know what you were going to get on. Yeah, exactly. We had one, it was like a Disney thing and it had like, I remember it had like the legend of sleepy hollow and like some random, like Halloween Donald <laughs> duck and Mickey mouse cartoons. And it had like sleeping beauty and Pinocchio on it and care bears. And like, yeah, it was just all sorts of stuff. It was like, Oh, let's see what's on here. So, because I know you and I both have an LDS background. Did you ever have any of those uh, clean flicks movies? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We we sure did, yep. Yeah. I had a friend one time, we went over to watch The Matrix, and he was excited because he, he couldn't watch rated R movies. Yeah. But he had a clean flicks copy of The Matrix, and at that point, I had already seen The Matrix, you know, theatrically. And the moment I heard certain lines of dialogue and the way some of the more intense scenes were cut, I'm like, what in the world? I was <laughs> like, man, I, was like, I don't know if I could get down with this. Yeah, that's hilarious. Well, it's funny because the, the part of the first time I saw it was a clean films version of it. And so. Oh, what? They, they actually did a clean version of The Departed? Yeah. I mean, How? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I remember it being very choppy edited, and then even like certain scenes. Like, wait, what what happened there? Like, does that person dead yeah. or not? Like, <laughs> so I have since seen the, the the full you know regular version, but yeah, there was a uh, that was a big one, and I remember like uh, the Patriot was a big one. I remember watching a lot the clean films version, um, Gladiator, but yeah, it was definitely like for a while. That's how I was introduced to a lot of those types of movies. So. 
Ooh, so when you finally saw like the unedited versions of those, I'm sure you were like, I missed a lot. Yeah. Well, especially with The Departed. That was one that I remember. Being like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes more sense now. Why this thing? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. No, that's. Uh, yeah, they all got sued, right? And they got shut down by like. Yeah. So there's actually a documentary on Tubi um, called Clean Flicks, and it talks about the whole industry and everything. And eventually, yeah, the Motion Picture Association of America was like, you're over here profiting off of this stuff. And it's not our work. You know, we didn't co-sign these, you know, because edited versions of movies are normally co-signed by the director and whatnot. You know, basically the original artist co-sign on those versions that can be released commercially. Right, like on TV or an airplane. Yeah, on stuff like that. And if you, I always tell people, if you see the name directed by Alan Smithy, that means somebody does not want their name on this work and they're just using that pseudonym. Because um, that's happened a few times as well for, you know, for certain TV edits. Mm. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. That would be fascinating. I have to check that documentary out sometime. But um, All right, cool. Well, let's go to the next question. So what, what film has been a source of comfort, like, during a, a difficult time in your life? You know, I was really thinking about that question. Um I don't really have anything that comes to mind as far as a as a source of comfort. Um, yeah, just I drew or, a blank on that one. Or like, do you have any type of movies that like when I don't know if you have a bad day or you're just like in a funk and you just oh, I need to, I need to watch like for me like I'll watch like I'll turn on like. It could be like any of the MCU movies or like Star Wars, just because they're so familiar to me that it's like right. oh, this, is, this is comfort food almost. Like it's just nice to have this on, I guess, you know. Oh well, in that case, then yeah, like Forrest Gump for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's definitely a comfort movie. Nice, yeah, that's a good one. I, I it's uh, you know, we're talking about like watching inappropriate movies as a kid. Like that's one that I remember watching really young, and then. And then I hadn't seen it in a while, and I watched it as an adult, and I was like, I don't remember this stuff being in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Forrest Gump is not really a kid's movie either. Yeah, so it's, but, uh, oh, cool. Um, what do you what do you think is a movie that's, like, made you laugh the most? Ooh, that's plenty of those. So I'm not, I'm not a huge Adam Sandler fan like that, but I, I definitely respect the hustle, and he's definitely made some well-known um i would say culturally um i know culture and adam sandler may not go together but he's he's made some films that have left an impact for sure and so one of the worst films and i, and I have a that's a film that i don't need a physical copy of but i have it digitally uh grown-ups part two is a terrible film but it has so many funny parts in it oh nice i've never seen the second one. Oh, it's terrible like it's just it looks like a series of vignettes just put together and somehow it just makes sense. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I feel like Adam Stanley, like in the nineties, you know, I was, I loved like anything he did basically Billy Madison, happy Gilmore, the wedding yeah. singer, water boy. And then I, and I feel like in like the late two thousands, early 2010s, I like, I wouldn't watch like anything he would do. At that <laughs> and now I feel like I'm like, I'm kind of neutral with him now. I'll, I'll, you know, it just depends if it seems like an interesting premise, I'll maybe check it out. But, um, yeah, I went through a period though, where I was just like, yeah, no, I think I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) The thing about Sandler is he's actually a great actor. Like when he's not being silly, he is a solid actor. Right. Yeah. He definitely has some range too, which, yeah. So, but I feel like a lot of times his stuff is like, it's almost like he seems like he's just, having fun with his friends, you know? Exactly. That's what Grown Ups 2 is. It's like, I'm going to put myself and my friends in this movie. It's going to make a bunch of money, and it's going to get terrible reviews. But, hey, we we can laugh all the way to the bank. Right. And I I have respect for that, too, because I used to, my friends and I used to do that when we were, like, kids and teenagers, and it was a blast, and they're terrible movies. (laughs) But, like, I, I can respect someone for, you know, like, at least 
doing something that they're passionate about with their friends. And so, um, well, cool. What's, uh, what's a movie that maybe has been difficult for you to watch or get through? And, um, and this could be like, it could be because the subject matter was challenging or it could be like, you just didn't like the movie or it was boring. So there's a lot of different ways you can answer it, but, uh, yeah, so something that's been difficult to get through, and what about it was like made it challenging? Ah, uh, there's there's quite a few on that list, um, but one that definitely comes to mind is um, it's a 2005 film called Crash, directed by uh, Paul Haggis. Um, it has a pretty well-known cast: uh, Matt Dillon, uh, Tanduay Newton, Sandra Bullock, uh, Brendan Fraser. Um, that was a pretty r- rough watch because just throughout this movie. And the, the the title it's all in the title itself, Crash. You just have these characters that really collide over the course of a day or two in Los Angeles. And, you know, it could be things of, you know, either racism and immigration and, you know, prejudices and sex, you know, just sexism, things like that. It's just ah, people just being just terrible to each other. That's hard for me to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I um I've actually never seen that movie. I know it won Best Picture, but I've It did. I've, yeah, that's a case where I'm like, why the hell did this movie win Best Picture? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I've heard that that's kind of the thing I've heard over the years is that like um I think it was the same year that uh um why am I blank Broke Track Mountain was like the thought the movie that they thought would win and then this Right, out. yes. Yeah. But yeah. Was it so is it a movie that like is it recommendable? Like would you recommend it or is it more like it's yeah, just it's a one time view. Yeah, okay. I've always been curious about it because I've just heard the story like kind of what you just shared. I've heard those types of reactions and so it's one that like ah oh, I'm curious to watch that and I just never got around to it, but Yeah, it's I think because it's coming from an industry such as Hollywood where which is let's be honest, you have a Quite a bit of unsavory characters there. Yeah. And so to make a movie that sort of preaches a bit, like like it's trying to get some weird civic lessons through to the audience, I don't know. It just rang a bit hollow for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, um, well, to kind of jump to the opposite of things, what's a what's a movie that you find really inspiring? Oh gosh, there's a lot of those. Um, Rudy, <laughs> Sean Astin. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of sports films are inspiring. So yeah. Um, um, quite a quite a few of those. That that's hard for me to narrow down as well. Um, well, like, what's an inspiring film to you? Um, yeah. Well, I was gonna say you're welcome to share more than one too, but um, I. I I mean, I feel like, yeah, sports movies, of course, like, are, you know, even if they're predictable, I still feel like. Oh, they, yeah, they're cliche as hell. Yeah. Yeah, but they still, they still get me. <laughs> like, um, but I mean, I feel like for me, Remember the Titans is like one of my all time favorites. Because yeah. That was, I was 12. I was, my, it was my first year of like doing Pop Warner football. So it just, it like checks so many boxes for me. And, uh, but I still watch that movie and I'm like, I mean, I love this movie so much, you know, it's, it still gets me like, and it hits me in all the feels and, and it, you know, to me, it's like this idealistic world where, yeah, if we could come together like that, that'd be amazing. And here's what we could accomplish, even though that's not necessarily how the real world is. Right. Yeah. But it's still something that I think important to like reach for and to see. Um, but I mean, I find inspiration though. And like, I mean, even like Guardians of the Galaxy last night, I, there's a lot of moments in that, that I found very powerful sure. to like inspire me to like like even just kind of like the you know they're this ragtag group that's kind of trying to be a family that doesn't always work and like it's it's validating to see that on screen but then also inspiring to like see them work through their differences i guess and come together so but yeah and so things like that really that kind of always hits me i think Definitely. Yeah, there's there's quite quite a few, more than a few inspiring moments within the MCU. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big ones for me too is seeing it's uh, in Avengers Endgame when 
you know, it's right after Cap, Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor, they're trying to take on Thanos, and it's literally just Cap left, and he, like, straps on his, like, broken shield, and he's staring down Thanos and his whole army, and he has no, yeah, at that point, he doesn't know what kind of, he's he's in it all by himself, but that, to me, is, like, I love that because no matter what it's going to happen, he's still going to like, he, he knows he needs to like, that's what he feels he needs to do in that moment. Right. Stand up for what's right and, and stand up for himself. And as he does that, then like he gets this like support that comes in to surround him. And I think that's like, I don't know. It just to me is like in moments when life gets really hard, it's, you know, and you, and you feel like you're alone to keep going. And yeah. that's, you know, eventually that, it's going to, something's going to happen, you know? Like I had like literal chills when you talked about that scene, because you talk about a scene that makes me cry. It's when Sam says on your left. Yeah. And ah, it gets me every single time. Yeah. Same. Oh yeah. It's so good. And that whole, that whole sequence and he's, you know, the Avengers assemble line right after that. And I mean, I'll, I'll never forget that, that moment opening night, seeing that and just, I couldn't oh, even yeah. hear after because it, everyone was just going nuts and uh, it was just yeah incredible so yeah good stuff but um well cool do you have a favorite movie quote a favorite quote from a movie or I'm ter- I'm terrible with the quotes but one one that's always stuck with me is uh Back to the Future which is a great trilogy um one of one of the few that I think sticks the landing I'm in the finale but you know Doc at the end when he comes back. After Marty thought that, you know, he saw the last of him after the DeLorean gets ran over and everything and leaves him in the West. And then Doc shows up with the train and, um, you know, Clara, his wife, and he's got the kids. And Jennifer just asks, you know, when she breaks out the facts that she yeah. uh, got, you know, from the second movie and it's blank. And she asks, you know, what does it mean? And, you know, Doc essentially says, hey, you know, it means that your future has not been written yet. So make it a good one. You know, that's always stuck with me. Yeah, I love that. That's a good one, too. I I haven't thought about that in a long time, that that sequence. But that's yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I'm with you, too, though. I feel like the third that it's like that's one of the, my favorite trilogies is those three movies. And uh, I know, like, I feel like the third one can get like crapped on sometimes but i'm like i uh, think so i think so at times too but i mean it's definitely not as strong but that's uh, it still doesn't mean it's a bad movie i think so right but uh yeah um all right so last question for you so if you if you had to give out one movie or one film out as a gift to every new person you meet for the rest of your life uh what movie would that be wow (laughs) Ah, uh, that is, I know for a while, it seemed like I would give, like, either Inception or the or Christopher Nolan's the Dark, Dark Knight trilogy as a gift to a few friends. Um, still would probably be either one of those two, probably more so Inception. I just love that movie. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, um, wh- what do you think about that that movie is one that you feel like is it makes a good gift to someone? I think the same thing. It's like the gift that keeps on giving. There are there are layers in that movie for sure. No, no Nolan's good at layers, and um, you know it, it may not be everybody's cup of tea for sure, but uh, yeah, that that's definitely one for me that I would probably give to everybody. Yeah, oh no, that's a good one too. I was just yeah, I was just curious because I that's I feel like out of if you look at Nolan's filmography out of outside of the Dark Knight trilogy, I'm like that might be his most like accessible movie or the most like um I feel like it could appeal to to most people. Exactly, yeah. It's it's not just a it's a it's not a niche picture. It's yeah. I don't think it's pretentious by any means. It can work as um maybe a big budget indie or you know, very much a popcorn flick, but yeah, it's accessible. And that's what I like about, you know, a lot of films, you know, I don't think everything always has to be um, cult or, you know, not mainstream, you know, I don't think that necessarily makes a film great. Um, I think accessibility is important. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I agree too. And I think that like something like 
you know, Tenet, which I really enjoyed, but it's, I did I mean, too. Oh yeah. I, it took me like multiple viewings and lots of thinking and YouTube videos and stuff to figure out everything that was going <laughs> on. Whereas Inception, there's definitely layers and the more you watch it, the more things come. But I think in one viewing, you can get the concept and still like be very, you can enjoy the experience. Um, so like where I've seen like people didn't like Tenet as much because they just, it, it was just too hard to follow at times and things like that. But, um, so anyways, um, Oh, what do you, uh, are you excited for his new movie Oppenheimer? I am. Um, I think last night was, uh, a a new trailer and I saw that too. Yeah. It just, yeah. Um, it definitely has my attention for anything Nolan does has my attention. Um, yeah, same. uh, He makes movies, um, to be seen in the cinema. Um, you know, in fact, you know, when cinema started to open up, you know, during the pandemic, it's part of the reason why I saw Tenet so much. It was probably one of the few movies that was playing pretty much everywhere. I think I saw it five times at the movies and right. I was trying to catch it in every major format as well. That was another reason why I went to see it many times. But uh, yeah, Oppenheimer is one I'm definitely looking forward to. It's going to be a strange day because I will probably end up watching Barbie and Oppenheimer in the same day. Yeah. <laughs> You talk about like just clashing tastes, right? But Barbie has my attention as well for some odd reason. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm very <laughs> curious about that movie because I'm like, is this is this like a movie made for like a satire type movie for adults, right? Accessible to kids because my five year old she she likes Barbies and we were at the movies we were seeing the Mario movie and they had a big old poster for Barbie and she was so excited and I was like, I don't know if this is like do I take her to this or not? Like, I, yeah, I have a feeling it's going to be like a PG 13 type of deal. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting that I feel like they are, would sign off on that, like a big studio, but, and Mattel as well. I'm sure they have some kind of investment in the movie. I'd imagine, but anyways, I, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm curious about that too. I think it looks like it'll be um, pretty funny and, and have maybe something, some introspective, thoughts to, to as you come out of it but um well cool well justin this was a lot of fun um anything else you wanted to share before we finish up um go support your local cinema um it's one thing i've noticed recently is that a lot of um movie houses houses have closed down for various reasons um mm-hmm. recently in the denver area uh, one of my favorites uh the regal continental uh closed down um, along with a few other, you know, that, you know, just, I guess, really just never really fully recovered. Um, so, yeah, if you get a chance, definitely go support your local cinema. Yeah, I agree. I second that. And it seems like it's the cinemas are kind of like this year's recovering a bit better than a lot I mean, better. Yeah. It seems like there's movies that, you know, it's outside of like a Marvel movie or whatever that's they're actually doing fairly well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, um, my kids and I, we've seen the Mario movie twice. Um, and that's, there was a period though where there was like no kids movies for a while. And that was kind of like, that's crushing. what I was saying. I was thinking it's like, yeah, the studios keep releasing these expensive, you know, either adult films, you know, R rated, you know, or, you know, more age appropriate PG 13 type of deals. And, um, I just really felt for a while, it's like, goodness, unless you're like a big franchise IP or Marvel, it's like those are the movies that people tend to show up for. And, and they have big openings, and then you notice they have like a steep drop the following weeks. Um, but what got my attention last year was um, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Yeah. And it was actually the last movie of 2022 that I saw, because um, I, I, I did go see it on New Year's Eve. And... I came out of it thinking, wow, that was a really great movie. And I don't have any kids, but I thought on top of that, that, yeah, it's a great family film. So I was actually, you know, noticing the amount of families that were out. And I thought to myself, like, you know, it's like the the movie industry, the theatrical exhibition industry is really going to survive. Yeah, it's really going to take more than just tentpole superhero films. It's you got to have something for everybody. And I noticed that was one of the big things was the lack of family movies at the box office. Yeah. Yeah. That was the last movie I saw of 
2022 as well and uh took the kids to see it and and then it was just funny because after that um it came out on streaming pretty quick and so it did yeah we had it and so anyways because i would have been finding i'm i like to go to movies more than once if i if i enjoy it and so but they would be asked can we go to the movies and there was like there was literally nothing until the mario movie came out yeah so anyways but um well, Justin, yeah, like I said, once again, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for taking some time to, to jump on here and chat movies. Um, do you um, do you have anything you'd want to plug or anything you're doing that people could follow you with? Or um, nah, nothing, nothing at the moment. I was doing a podcast with a friend for a bit um, that sort of you know fell off, you know, and um, I have some ideas in mind, um, but it's nothing that's tangible and concrete at the moment so nah, nothing to plug okay well no worries well um well all good well justin once again man it was good to catch up and hope you have a great rest of your day